friend, do you ever feel like you are carrying burdens that are just too weighty? Maybe you are struggling with condemnation. Maybe it's self-sufficiency, insecurity, comparison, even worry and worthlessness, maybe even just insignificance and despair. These are all things that we're going to be talking about today, how to find true rest in Christ, how to cast these cares at his feet, and really diving into encouragements for the person who struggles with some of these things. Sarah J. Hauser is our guest for today. She is a writer and speaker living in the Chicago suburbs with her husband and four kids. She shares biblical truth to nourish the soul. She just came out with a new book called All Who Are Weary, and she believes that while our outward lives may be falling apart, our inner lives can grow even stronger. Today, we're talking about finding true rest and letting go of burdens that, friend, you were never meant to carry. I'm so excited for today's episode. We are not going to be doing a Dear Meg segment at the end of this episode. We are going to continue to do them. We're just not doing them today. Um, and two, before we dive in, I do want to let you know we do mention counseling in this episode. A couple things. This is a really real, raw conversation. It's really beautiful. I was so encouraged by having it. Um, but it is just very timely that today's podcast is also sponsored by a Christian counseling service, and that is Faithful Counseling. So struggling with mental health is not a sign of spiritual weakness. We're going to see that too, even in this episode, and it isn't something to struggle with alone. Going to a certified Christian counselor is a great place to have another spirit-filled Christian speak into your life and listen to you. I have gone to counseling with a solid Christian counselor and it has changed my life and really helped me to better work through things, but working through them better with the Lord. Faithful Counseling is a BetterHelp partner that is an online Christian counseling service. Faithful Counseling matches you with your own licensed professional therapist who is a practicing Christian. You can get 10% off of your first month as a She Lives Purposely podcast listener, and it's already more affordable than traditional offline counseling. To get that 10% off your first month, visit faithfulcounseling.com backslash she lives purposefully. That's faithfulcounseling.com backslash she lives purposefully for 10% off of professional faith-based counseling. I will link that link in the show notes for you. And thank you again to Faithful Counseling for sponsoring this episode. All right, friend, let's dive in. Before we do too, I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. It means the world, all of your subscribes, your listens, your reviews, your rates, your shares, all of it. I am so thankful that you find this place to be encouraging and to equip you in your walk with Christ. I love you, friend. Let's dive in. Hey friend, I'm Megan Edmonds, and I am so glad that you're here joining me on the She Lives Purposefully podcast, a place where we are encouraged and equipped in our walks with Christ, in knowing our purpose, and in living purposefully as Christian women. I am so thankful that we get to do this life to seek God and honor Him together. Sarah, welcome to the She Lives Purposely podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. But before we dive in, can you just tell us about yourself in your own words? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's just so fun to get to chat with you. Um, so 
Yeah, I'm Sarah Hauser. My husband and I live about an hour west of Chicago. Um, we've got four kids and a loud rescue dog who hopefully you won't hear <laughs> during the <laughs> podcast. Uh, but yeah, we got uh, three kids in school and then I've got a one and a half year old um, at home with me still. And yeah, I'm a writer and speaker and uh, I love talking about God's word and just diving into scripture. So that's that's me in a nutshell. I love it. I love it. How long have you guys been married? Uh, 13 years, a little wow. over 13 years. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. That's so yeah. sweet. Oh, well, I am excited for our conversation today. Um, you have a new book out called All Who Are Weary. Um, and why don't you, I mean, before we even dive in, can you tell us a little bit just about that um, and kind of, I guess, the heart behind it? And yeah. Yeah, so I um, this book has been a long time in the making. Uh, it was not the first book I thought I was going to write. I actually had a completely different uh, book idea that I was gung-ho about, and the Lord just put some roadblocks in the way with that one, and it's still mm-hmm. sort of collecting digital dust on my computer. Um, <laughs> but that was, you know, God knew. God knew what I needed, and um, just his timing is perfect, right? So uh, this book kind of came out of my own dark season of uh, depression and struggling with um, some postpartum anxiety as well. And uh, a few different, a few different areas of my life where I was struggling. And I had at the time been really wrestling through a lot of lies. I was believing just a lot of uh, wrestling with a lot of, you know, the things that I learned growing up, I grew up in the church uh, and, and grew up believing truths about God, but there's, then there's been seasons where I had to really wrestle with, okay, do I, do I actually believe that? And I, and I did, but it was sort of growing in that maturity when certain things got hard in my life, you know, when, you know, do I really believe God is good and God is faithful when I'm yeah. you know wrestling through the death of a loved one and, you know, different things like that. And so as I've wrestled with some of these truths, that's kind of what has, has become this book. So uh, this book actually came out of some counseling homework that I had uh, where I had to to write down lies I was believing and, and truth that really combats those lies. And so the burdens wow. that I talk about in the book are, um, are really another way you could put it is some of those lies that I was believing, you know, I talk yeah. about worthlessness in the book and, you know, believing the lie that everyone would be better off without me, or, you know, I'm just, I'm worthless or my work is worthless. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of where that, where that came from as I, um, and yeah, I was not planning on writing a book about it, but as I sort of came out of my dark season and started to just process some of my own things, uh, what I was writing on my blog and elsewhere just really resonated with people in the Lord. Um, yeah, just kind of took took over from there and, and led me to write more and more about it. So yeah. 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 I love that. I was going to say too, and, and you said it, that it was really resonating with people. I feel like it's something that so many people do walk through in some form or another, you know, however it is. And whether it's because of a situation or just things going on in their heart. And I feel like too, it's something that we don't talk about as often. So I am so thankful that you opened up about your own experience to some extent and what the Lord showed you. That's so powerful. I feel like in my own life too, I grew up in the church and was taught all of these truths and it wasn't until something tragic in our family happened that it was kind of like all right do i actually believe that like really started questioning a lot about god's goodness and you know if he is all good and all knowing and all loving like how could he allow this you know all of those kind of things arose so when you said that i really resonated um 
and and yeah it's just so important to be able to really address those things so I'm glad I'm glad you were (laughs) diving into that and and writing about that that's cool yeah thank you that's cool. Okay. So jumping right in and you mentioned even worthlessness and, and those kind of feelings. So in your book, you talk about burdens that we were not meant to carry. So you do mention worthlessness. You mentioned condemnation. I think that's such a huge one that we mm-hmm. struggle with as Christians. Um, worry, self-sufficiency, insecurity, comparison, perfectionism, insignificance, and despair. And I want to name like all of those because I think, you know, a lot of us struggle with at least one, if not a whole, all the yeah. whole bunch, you know? So, yeah. um, before we really dive into kind of those burdens and, you know, even find rest there, I would love to hear from you why these are burdens that we don't have to carry because, and I know I can relate to this, but for the person who feels like, you know, I get that there are some burdens that I need to cast at the feet of Jesus, but I feel like I'm supposed to carry this one for one Mm -hmm. reason or another. I feel the need to, maybe it's my responsibility. Maybe I don't feel like I am worthy enough to lay it down. I think sometimes for myself, I can feel like, you know what, if I hold on to this, it's going to make me better because like, I'm going to know I can't go back to whatever this is or striving for perfectionism. Anyway, all of that to say, why aren't these burdens something that we're actually tasked to hold on to? Why don't we have to carry them? Yeah, I think, you know, as you, as you kind of dive into each one of these, I think there's a little bit of a more specific answer that you can kind of give to each one of these burdens. But I think at the, at the root of it, uh, this might sound like the Sunday school answer, but it's so true at the root of it is that Jesus says it is finished. Hmm. You know, he said it is finished. And so this idea that I have to strive or I have to perform, or I have to um, live up to the person next to me, or I have to do it on my own. All of those are this, this form of Psalm 127, you know, talks about anxious toiling, you know, it's, Mm. it's, it can all be this form of, um, just trying to strive and do things on our own. And Jesus says, it's finished. The work is done. And of course, because of that, then we, we get to participate in this resurrection life that Jesus brought about right when he rose from the dead. And so part of that living out that resurrection life is living according to the way he has called us to live. And we get to live as new creation people, even in this world now. And so there's work that we have to do and there's, there's good burdens worth carrying, but this idea of, you know, I'll take condemnation. For example, my condemnation has been nailed to the cross. I don't have to carry that anymore. You know, my, my sense of worthlessness will, will God created me in his image and he, loved the whole world that he died for us. You know, all of that comes down to we are created by a God who loves us and and who took every every burden mm-hmm. of ours to the cross and yeah. defeated evil and rose again from the dead, declaring victory over sin and death. And so all of these burdens, I mean, it has to come back to that. Do I really believe that it is finished, that the work that Jesus did is finished? And if we do we can put down these burdens of, you know, insecurity because we can know that whatever happens, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay because Jesus has already approved of me uh, through his death and resurrection, you know, and we can put down comparison because we know that we can rest in the arms of God, you know, so you can kind of walk through each of these nine burdens and others uh, that I didn't get to address in my book. Um, And, and, it really comes down to what do I believe about the truth of what Christ has done? Because the reality is, is he carried our burdens to the cross so that we don't have to. 
Yeah. I love that so much. It's like, do we actually really believe that what, like Jesus did what he did on the cross, you know, that it is actually finished and that all of those things like are like they died with him and that we can now live, like you said, in this resurrection life right now. Um, I think that's so powerful. I'm just thinking through too. I feel like so often we really don't live like that. Like we really Mm -hmm. do live, even if we do believe those things, you know, because we are, we are Christians. We do claim that we do believe that even if we believe it, sometimes we don't actually like apply it to our lives in Mm -hmm. this way. So I love that you just brought it right back to that. Like that's how it's simple. It can be, well, simple, you know, that it's like living that out, but simple, simple, but not easy. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, Simple, but not easy. How, but it is like, we can just go back to this one truth. Like it is finished and now I can live in the freedom that Christ has called me to live in. And Yeah. yeah, that's so powerful. Um, so jumping off of that too, you talk about true rest that Christ offers us. Would you first just explain what true rest is? Yeah. So the way I kind of think about this and talk about it in the book is this idea of rest that is so much deeper than, you know, what a vacation or a good night of sleep that the rest, I mean, that can, that can actually play a role in this deeper rest, but it's this true lasting rest, this peace that passes understanding, right? As Paul talks about in, in the New Testament, that can't be taken away no matter what happens. And I think, you know, I've seen people who have lived like that, who have gone through horrific tragedy and they are grieving. They're not sugarcoating things. You know, they're looking grief in the face. They're looking tragedy in the face. And yet the, the hope and the deep, deep, deep peace that they have is not shaken, Hmm. you know? And I think that's really what I'm talking about is, uh, you know, again, physical rest is a part of this and all of those things relate but there is a true, deep, lasting rest that doesn't depend on our circumstances. It depends only on our God. Hmm. And, and that to me is, is really what I think we're all craving. Um, you know, I, I would love a nap and a vacation and all those <laughs> things. But I think at the root of it, so much of our weariness runs much deeper than those things. Yeah, I think that's so true. So why do you think like that, you know, that is available for us? And like you said, you know, people in who are going through really hard things, but you can see that they have this. Why do you think that so many of us reject it? I mean, maybe sometimes we don't even know that it's available to us, but um, yeah. Why do you think that some of us reject it? I think uh, it, it comes down to pride a lot of yeah. times. And that that pride isn't necessarily, you know, this like arrogant, I'm better than you kind of thing, but uh, it can come out like that. But I think our pride can come out in myriad other ways as well. And, you know, thinking about insecurity or comparison or perfectionism, all of that comes down to, we want to do things on our own, or we want to be something that maybe God isn't calling us to be, or we want to um, have a life that is maybe not what God is asking us um, to live. And, and we so often um, we, we have our own, prideful desires all mixed up in that. And so, um, you know, when I look at scripture, one of the themes that's coming out to me more and more is, is that humility really is a prerequisite to rest. Hmm. Um, you know, if you look at Matthew 11, where Jesus talks about, come to me, all you who we are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
right before that, he actually pronounces a whole bunch of woes. He like rebukes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who rejected him. And, and he thanks God for those who come to him like little children and are humble. There's this mm. whole pride and humility theme happening right before Matthew eleven twenty eight that I think is really key. And the same kind of thing happens. Uh, one of my other favorite passages is Psalm 131. And David talks about how I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, with like a weaned child is my soul within me. Hmm. And I love that, you know, that's really a picture of this deep rest, right? That calm and quiet soul, even when the wind and the waves are raging around us, right? Yeah. But right before that verse, David says, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. You know, he 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 gives this picture of um, I'm I'm level headed. I'm not, you know. I'm not turning my nose down on people. I'm not pretending I am God or, you know, wanting to do things um, that God is not calling me to do. My heart is not lifted up. It's this whole theme of humility that comes before the calming and quieting of your soul. Yeah. And I think that's that's absolutely essential because we're not going to come to Jesus and we're not going to lay down these burdens if we don't think we have to, or if we think we can do it on our own or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think sometimes that's where we get stuck is because, you know, we want this deep peace. We want this deep rest, but then we also want to you know, run ourselves ragged, going crazy with all the things that we think we have to do. And the Lord's like, no, like you, you can actually lay some yeah. of these burdens down before me. Yeah, I love that so much. I was just listening to a sermon a couple of, I guess it was months ago now, honestly, but he was talking about anxiety kind of and combating anxiety and not so much in a fear way, but in this like restless, like kind of idea and one thing that he said was pride was kind of mm -hmm. tackling like you know we sometimes give ourselves this idea like i have to be the best i have to do it all i have to do all the things you know and we don't rely on the lord in that way and we also kind of you know don't really realize like the lord never calls us to be the best or do the best mm -hmm. or do all the things like he calls us to come to himself to seek him love him love other people and um so i just i love that so much and i think i have realized in my own life how pride and sometimes it doesn't feel like pride it feels like just striving but yeah. it, i think at the root of it can be pride has led to so much rest and burnout in my own or lack of rest not rest <laughs> um but it's led to a lack of rest in in my own life so i i love yeah. that you kind of related those two things like how it can be like pride can be a root of us not really accepting the rest that god has for us that's so yeah. good yeah. that's so good um, so what would you two kind of pivoting almost a little bit, but what encouragement would you give? This is such a big topic. I think we've seen just in our community at She Lives Purposely, like episodes about condemnation, um, feeling like we've blown it has been huge. Every time we talk about it, just the listens and shares, all of that, it just, I feel like it's something that really resonates with Christians. So what encouragement would you give the person who is mm -hmm. struggling with those things, with self-condemnation, with feeling like they've blown it. Um, yeah, I feel like it's something a lot of us struggle with for sure. Yeah. So this is probably one of the burdens that I have struggled with personally the most and mm. kind of on the deepest level. Uh, for me, this is really where, um, where I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, this, this one really has, has wreaked some havoc on my life, to be honest. Um, mm. and I think, 
again, coming back and wrestling with the truth of Jesus declaring that it is finished. You know, all of, all of my sin, all of my iniquity, all of, all of that has been nailed to the cross. Um, and I say that briefly and kind of quickly, but for me, I know that it, it being able to say that in the midst of self-condemnation is really feels more like a wrestling match. You know, it's, it's not necessarily giving our Sunday school answers, but but being able to, yes, like preach that to ourselves, have other people around us who can remind us of those truths, but going back to scripture over and over and over again and wrestling with what God says hmm. about that. And I think that can be um, sometimes a long process um, just to, to really reckon with the truth of that and and pray and, and seek the Lord in that and seek wise counsel. You know, for me, um, I had a, I had a team of people. I had a counselor and, and my yeah. husband and friends and, you know, a medical doctor, I ended up going on antidepressants, you know, so there, there was a lot, a lot of factors in all of yeah. this. Um, but I think with condemnation, again, really coming back to the truth of, of God's word in the midst of that. And I think what gets tricky sometimes is that, you know, when we feel like we've blown it, um, a lot of times we have like that, hmm. that's, that many times that is a very true statement. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I think that's what we get tripped up on sometimes is because we have a really hard time, or at least me, I'll speak for myself. I have a, a very hard time getting out from this spiral of self-condemnation when what I've actually done has not been okay or has been, even if I've not been like outwardly malicious, you know, it, it's been hard on other people or, um, you know, whatever the case may be, um, there's truth mixed up in the lies, right? Like we have done things wrong. We have failed. We yeah. have. Um, and I love, there's this one uh, section in John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, which has been, you know, out for hundreds and hundreds of years. But yeah. um, there's this, the the main character, if you haven't read it, the main character, um, Christian, is journeying from the uh, city of destruction to the celestial city. And he meets this character, this kind of uh, Satan character um, named Apollyon and uh, Apollyon starts accusing him like you don't deserve to go to the, the celestial city like you need to go back to the city of destruction because that's where you belong like you look at all these things that you failed and he starts naming all the ways that Christian has failed hmm. and Christian says yeah all that is true and a whole lot more but I've I've yeah. received the pardon of my prince and I think you know, that idea of being able to acknowledge when we have failed and confess our sin and say, okay, like maybe that failure, you know, sometimes those, those feelings of failure are an outright, outright yeah. lie, right? But sometimes they're very true. And being able to confess and say, you know, that's true. And I've done a whole lot more that's wrong, but I have received the pardon of my prince. I have received the pardon of Jesus on the cross. And, mm. and now I can move forward with freedom. I can, I can, you know, confess to other people. I can ask for forgiveness. I can move forward in my life and live a different way because of what Jesus has done. And I think we, we really have to, um, we really have to reckon with those truths. And I think also have people around us who can help us reckon with those truths when we ourselves struggle to do that. Yeah. Sorry. It froze for a second on my end. So I don't know if I, there was a lag, okay. but, um, 
No, everything you just said was so, so, so good. I was like taking notes as you were saying it. (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to kind of go through what I was like writing down. One, I just love that you were talking about like the importance of actually seeking out what God says in this area, like who he says we are, what he says about what we've done. Like, um, and, and I think that's just so important. I think that's something that we emphasize so much here is just like, be in the word, know what the Lord says. Um, because we see in scripture too, like Satan knows the word too, and he loves to twist it. So we can really know what God says about us and forgiveness and even condemnation. So I, I love that you were saying that too. I also loved, let me look up the verbiage. I, I have it um here too, but you were saying like, sometimes we feel like we've blown it. And the reality is we have, like we have actually blown it to an extent, you know, like yeah. And I, and so I feel like that condemnation, it can feel like it is warranted because the things that we feel sick about, you know, are, are pretty weighty, but on the flip side too, is like, well, that's what makes the gospel so glorious. It's not just for people who like, you know, did their best the whole time. And like, they just messed up a little bit. It's for the people who have totally blown it. And Jesus says to that person, like, I have made you completely new. Um, so I love that you said that too, because I think sometimes we almost in this very like comfortable affirming era, we're like, we're always, we're never at fault almost. I feel like we Mm -hmm. always brush things off. Like, oh, it's not our fault. Oh, it wasn't that bad. But sometimes deep down we know like it really was that bad. And I think sometimes we just have to say it out loud like you did. And so that's so freeing to even hear is like, no, you know what? Maybe I did blow it, but like Jesus but Jesus. Um, so I, I just love that you said that too, because I think sometimes we can really see the glory of the gospel that much more when we really come to terms with like, no, Jesus gave everything for everything that I did. Like he Mm -hmm. totally covered every, like all of it. So I, yeah, I love that you said that too. I feel like sometimes we gloss over that so much. Um, and two, how you were talking about, how you had your people around you, like you had your husband, you have, you know, even friends, but like your counselor too, which I know in my own life with things that I've struggled with, like counseling has been life-changing, like so helpful. And so I love that you brought that up too. And even being on antidepressants, like things that are just practical, practical things that I feel like sometimes we gloss over. Like sometimes it's not just this miraculous night, which I've had too, where it's like in Mm -hmm. one night, the Lord heals everything like in our hearts. Sometimes it's a long journey, but like the Lord is still working. So I love that you talked about that as well. Um, And two, just the fact that like now that the Lord has made us new, like we have the freedom to, and really we are called to move forward in Christ Jesus, like to not look back, to cast the weights aside. So um, just everything you said, I'm like writing all the notes. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you for sharing all of that. That was yeah, so good. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. So pivoting to, this is something that I really struggle with is worry. Um, mm-hmm. so we've all struggled with worry at times. I'm just kind of going through the different things that, you know, you've talked about, but, um, like I said, this is something that I struggle with. How can we battle worry that we face in our daily lives? And yeah. You know, I think it's fair to say too, kind of talking about condemnation, it's like somewhere it sometimes it's rooted in something mm-hmm. that is true, even yeah. though condemnation itself is something that we don't need to have. And you know, that's not Jesus. Like, 
I think fear too, it's like, no, the Lord says, do not fear. But sometimes there's things in our lives that it's like, well, I, I'm, this feels like it's warranted, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah. How do we, how do we battle that? Yeah, this is another one. I mean, I've struggled obviously with all of these in my book. And so, um, it's, I, I wrote it not out of, not out of having, having figured it out, but just out of my own wrestling. Um, and I think I, you know, it's like, I read these passages like Matthew six, for example, where Jesus says, do not worry. And I, it's like, I almost want to laugh. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. if, if it almost seems crazy to not worry. Um, and I tend to be a worrier. I tend to be more prone to anxiety and, um, Me too. <laughs> and I, you know, right now I use those terms interchangeably, but I also want to recognize that there's kind of your everyday worries, yeah. um, or, you know, worries, um, when you've, when you've had a significant life situation and then there's, there's more of a physiological anxiety and sometimes there's a messy overlap. And, um, so I just want to acknowledge all of that, yeah. um, because I've experienced, uh, all the whole messy mix. And so, um, you know, sometimes de dealing with, you have to deal with one a little bit differently than you deal with the other, but, I think for all of us, like you said, in some way, we all deal with worry on some level. And I think one of the first things, and it sounds so simplistic, but I think one of the first things that we have to do is actually name what we're worried about, um, you know, yeah. which is easier to do. Like I remember about 12 years ago, um, my mom was, uh, ha was diagnosed with cancer and ended up passing mm -hmm. away a couple years after that. And, I'm you know, sorry. sitting in a waiting room. Yeah. Like of course you're going to worry. Like I can easily name what that worry is. Right. And learning how to sit in a waiting room and wrestle with Jesus says, don't worry like this. I'm very worried. You know, what do I do with this? And, and again, wrestling with God in the midst of that. Um, but I think, uh, also in addition to some of those sort of significant, um, pivotal moments of our lives. I think many times a whole lot of us are carrying around a thousand little worries that yeah. we don't even notice that we're carrying. You know, I mentioned in the book, one thing I remember my husband bringing up a question about our health insurance and I broke down into tears. I didn't even know I was worried about it. Like it, mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought about it. And suddenly it's like, like you got to listen to your tears sometimes because it reveals kind of sometimes yeah. what's going on inside. And I started to realize, wow, I've actually really been worrying about this and, and carrying this financial weight and, you know, all these questions that come with dealing with an insurance company and, you know, all those different things. And I think many times that's, that's the case for a lot of us is, is we're actually really worried about a lot of little things and it ends up, you know, feeling like death by a thousand paper cuts, you know, type situation where, unless we actually, you know, name those things, uh, yeah. I, th I think sometimes we can just forget about them and we end up carrying them. Yeah. Um, and I think when we actually take some time to even just journal or sit down and write, like make a list, what are all the things I'm worrying about? And I could come up with a list, you know, multiple pages long and, and some of it sounds stupid. You know, some of it's like, I'm worried about getting to my kid's school on time to pick them up. Well, like that adds up, like the mm -hmm. cumulative weight of all of these little things really can be exhausting. How am I going to get dinner on the table? How am I going to, yeah. you know, like all of these things can really be, um, can become debilitating if we don't actually deal with them. Um, and then once we've named these things, you know, scripture calls us to cast our cares on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And and that idea of casting, I mean, is literally like throwing them and saying like, okay, Lord, this is your problem. Not that we don't have a responsibility and a role to play. Of course we do. Yeah. Um, but, but saying like, okay, God, I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. And I'm going to steward my time and my resources and, 
and what I have as best as I can. But the end result of this is your problem, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think um, that we can't even do that, though, if we haven't first named those things. Um, yeah. So that that's really, I think, a first step. Yeah, no, I think that's so good. That's something too that in counseling, like we've gone through is like, all right, naming these things out and then to bringing them to the Lord and not even just in, you know, like, all right, like I'm going to give it to the Lord, like saying that, but actually almost having this conversation with the Lord of like, all right, you know, I'm, this is what I'm worried about. And then she would say like, all right, what do you think the Lord would actually tell you? Like from scripture, like, what would he say about that? So then you have that and then it's like, okay, what do you think about that? Like, do you believe yeah. that? Why? And why, if if not, you know, if you're still afraid, like, why not? And like, actually, like you said, like really fleshing these things out of, of mm-hmm. okay, like, why am I worried? And then if we have that answer, okay, what, what about that is worrying, you know, and yeah. just kind of even, and so I love that, like really naming it and then, and then diving into that and actually bringing it to Jesus and recognizing like, although yes, there are things that we can do, like ultimately it's in his hands. So that's so good. That's so good. I want to go back to talking about community Mm -hmm. and the importance of community. Um, because I think in struggling with all of these things and all these burdens, you know, again, worthlessness, condemnation, worry, self-sufficiency, insecurity, comparison, perfectionism, insignificance, and despair, we cannot go through those things alone. We weren't called to do the Christian life alone. That's why there's a body of Christ. And there's so many verses about like bearing one another's burdens and even, you know, mm-hmm. calling people out and lifting people up, even when we feel like maybe they need to be called out, but instead yeah. helping them along, you know? Um, so what are some practical ways that you have received help from other people? And we've talked about this just a little bit too, but um, on the flip side of that as well, I think, for myself, I know that I can struggle to be vulnerable with people. So mm-hmm. because I worry about, you know, is it safe to be vulnerable yeah. with like however many people? So on the flip side of that, what are some unhelpful things people do that should be kind of avoided? Yeah. So, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll give a little caveat that the reality is, is it not everybody is safe to share everything with. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so I think we can have different aspects of community and we can you know, you don't need to share your deep, dark secrets with every single person that you come across. That's not necessarily community. Um, Mm -hmm. having a a couple trusted people, I think is super important. Um, even with, with the deepest parts of us. Um, but, but having community, you know, there's, there's certain things that not everybody is, is equipped to handle. Um, you know, there's certain parts of, of my life when I've been trying to help a friend where I realize, you know what, I don't have the emotional capacity to help them the way that yeah. they actually need help, you know? And, and so I think that's all part of community, right? Is we, we need more than one person. We need, we need a lot of resources. We need a lot of people. Um, but, but that can look different from person to person. Um, I think for me, you know, what comes to mind is in the midst of my struggle with depression and some postpartum anxiety, one of the things that that was really helpful is I just had people who who kind of went first in their vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, and so I had I had people to talk to that I knew had struggled with those things, yeah, and that was incredibly valuable. Um, I had people I had when I actually decided to go on medication, um, that was a really hard decision for me and for a number of different reasons. But, but I had about four or five people that I knew had, had either wrestled with that decision or, or had been on medication or maybe had decided not to, like I had multiple people, 
in my life that I knew, hey, I can call or I can text this person and talk through this with them. Um, but that was because they went first in being vulnerable. And I think that was really important. Again, yeah. you know, knowing uh, you, you can't necessarily be, be super, super vulnerable with every single person right off the bat, you know, but, sure. but developing those friendships over the years, um, that, that really helps with that. And so I was able to talk through some of those things uh, with friends as well as my counselor and my husband and my, you know, medical doctor, all of those things. Um, on a very practical level, you know, there there's just in, incredibly beautiful, practical ways to help each other. You know, I think about, you know, bringing meals to people and, um, you know, I had friends, you know, when I was finishing my book, I had friends who were like dropping off coffee on my porch, you know, so that wasn't <laughs> like a tragedy I was going through. That was a very exciting thing, but I was, you know, glued to my computer trying to write, you know, yeah. and, and I get a, a text from a friend, hey, there's coffee on your front steps, you know, just very, I think, beautiful and helpful and, and big and small ways. Um, sending people an encouraging text. I think sometimes we forget the power of those words. Mm. Um, and, and we, I think for me, at least I get so worried about being a bother to somebody, you know, I don't want to bug them. I don't want to bother yeah. them. And so I stay quiet and I will never forget when my mom was, when my mom was dying 10 years ago, um, this is, you know, back in the day we had landlines. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we actually had a phone we had to answer, you know? <laughs> um, but I remember when I would go home to my parents' house, that was kind of one of my jobs was to answer the phone mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just kind of be play receptionist a little bit for my parents. And I asked my mom one time, I was like, you know, people are kind of wondering, you know, a couple of people have asked me, hey, oh, should I call? Should I not call? Like, I don't want to bother your mom if she's sleeping. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a burden. And, um, but I also want to check in, you know, people just kind of wondering like, what, what, what's helpful? What do you want me to do? And I'll never forget my mom saying, you know, I'd rather be laying in the, in bed, hearing the phone ring and not be able to talk than to never hear the phone ring at all. Hmm. You know, and just, it was like, having to hear the phone ring was just like, okay, people haven't forgotten about me, Yeah, you know? And I think that has been so powerful for me because it's like, okay, like I, it's so easy for people in those vulnerable places to feel forgotten, especially when a tragedy maybe is a long, is, is a long time, you know, yeah. for, for people that, I think we can be really good at rallying around people in the peak seasons, which is wonderful. But then six months or a year or 18 months later or three years later when somebody's still wrestling with depression, you know, do they have people who haven't forgotten about them? Yeah. And I think we can we can just show that, you know, sending a card like old school snail mail, I think can be really powerful in a way yeah. to say, I haven't forgotten about you. You know, and, and I think all that can be just really beautiful and practical ways that sometimes I think we, we don't think we'll do a lot, but, but I think that that really can be a powerful, powerful thing. As yeah. far as unhelpful things, um, you know, the big one that comes to mind is unsolicited advice giving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's something that um, I struggle with. Uh, I, I struggle. I, I want to, you know, tell people what I think. Um, but the reality is so often what people need is just to be seen and to be mm. listened to. And I think we can jump to wanting to yeah. kind of put a, a bow on things or wanting to fix things. And sometimes things are not fixable right away. We're not fixable by us. Um, and so I think sometimes that that can actually do more harm than good. And I think mm. if we can sit in a posture of listening and just showing people that we care and and not yeah. forgetting about people, I think that can be much more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Well, Sarah, thank you. 
so much for all of your wisdom today. Truly, I feel like this was just such a sweet episode. I can't wait to share it. And I feel like the really good news is, is that people can hear more from you <laughs> on all of this. I know that I want to. So um, you have written this book, All Who Are Weary. You told us about it earlier on, but where can people get this book? Where can they find more information? Um, and too, like, where can they, where can they find you and, and things that you're sharing? Yeah, so you can buy All Who Are Weary on Amazon, online, kind of wherever books are sold. Um, you can go right to Moody Publishers. Uh, that was my publisher if you want to buy it directly from there. Um, and then you can also find me on my website. It's Sarah with an H, Sarah J. Hauser, H-A-U-S-E-R dot uh, com. And uh, I also have a monthly newsletter that I send out. So you can get that at sarahjhauser.com slash subscribe. And then I'm also usually on Instagram. I've kind of taken a, a little bit of a season off, but I, I'll, I'll be back there this fall um, a little bit more. So at sarah.j.hauser on Instagram, you can find me as well. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your wisdom and for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was, it was so good to talk.